0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad
1: Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com. And welcome into the podcast. I'm Richard Skinner, local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal and Rick Boring of MusketeerReport.com. As we're down to the final four now of the NCAA tournament, after North Carolina, Oregon, Gonzaga, and. Yes, I have to say it. South Carolina all advanced oh. to the Final Four. That's Oregon. Oregon,
0: Gonzaga, Gonzaga. Um, well, I'm trying South to think Carolina. of how everyone South, else. South
1: Carolina, South Cac, South Cacalac,
0: South Cacalac. Yep.
2: So there you. South Cac. Actually, is just the.
1: And North-North. Well, to, it ends up, it, it's funny, as goofy as this tournament has been, you still do end up with, with two number one seeds in the final four. But you said this early in the year, and it looked like, honestly, when the seeds came out and when you looked at the brackets, that you had mention, mentioned how much of this felt like a blue blood year, where some of the blue bloods had re- really risen back to the top, and it felt like one of those was going to win it. They still can because Carolina can still win it. Um, but that part never materialized yet. We still have we still have the two two number one seeds, and arguably Carolina was one of the ones before the year started. You said they got a shot to win it. They're still they're still there. And it's probably theirs to lose now.
2: Yeah, I I think you um you saw this tournament lose a lot of luster when the committee put three of the six best teams right. in the same bracket.
1: Although it, it did make for some pretty good that was
2: a great basketball, bracket. yeah, a phenomenal bracket. But I, I think if given the right draw,
0: we could be talking about Kentucky, UCLA, and North Carolina in the, in the final, final four. four.
1: Sure, sure, no question. Can, so can
0: I ask you guys a question though? Because yes. you were so, you both became so gung ho about UCLA all of a sudden and about their national title chances, and that they would beat UK in, in the rematch. But all year, you guys were more so on board with UCLA can't win national title because of their defense. But, but, but and I, then when I tried to tell you that, you were like, "No." And then we watched them not be able to defend Kentucky. You're right. That, what changed your mind uh, on them? I, I was honestly, curious.
1: when they went more to the zone and actually kind of yeah. kind of did start defending enough, I thought they haven't had enough score scorers, playmakers, and they do. But I thought that was kind of a, a, an, an homage, for lack of a better term, to we can't guard man to man. We don't have a chance to guard man to man. And come postseason, we can't beat teams 101-97. It's just not feasible. So and it, and it was pretty effective for, for stretches for them. And I thought that was going to be the magic bullet. It turned out it was not. Um, are we going to hear from LeVar Ball's day, by the, by the way? Can we oh, no. Tomorrow, first
2: take. Oh, Monday, first take. Lavar and Lonzo Ball. Oh, no. With Stephen A. Smith.
0: Can people please stop complaining about the things LeVar Ball says and then inviting him multiple times oh, no question. to their shows? No, I will tell stupid.
2: you, if we get this up before 10 o'clock, the way to do this is to do what what I did last time LeVar Ball was on first take is watch the Dan Levitard show. And they the will... Rea- Their reaction. No, they're playing live right. with LeVar Ball and Stephen A screaming at each other. It's insanity. And then they'll turn it off and they'll make fun of it. Insanity. And then when they start screaming at each other again, they'll go back to it. It was great, great radio. Terrible radio right. that was great radio at the same time. They would come back from it and they would, Levitard would be like, yes, we are. We're watching first
1: take. <laughs> For and this radio show, I'm live <laughs> commenting on it. No, but back to your question, though, I, I just thought I thought UCLA did the, the style, the change for them defensively was going to be enough, and it obviously w- w- was not. Um, but let's touch first on the, on the Kentucky game. We'll kind of backtrack from there, talk the, the Xavier loss to Gonzaga and the, and the teams that are left a little bit here uh, for, for Kentucky. It was, a, it was a really good run. Um, I, I do think at the end of the day they still missed that one extra shooter. Dominique Hawkins started to do it and certainly gave them a lift all postseason yeah. long. But they're just, it always felt like they were one score down a lot of times. Mulder never,
2: Michael Mulder never turned into that where he was billed as that kind of. And Briscoe
1: just is a driver. Yeah,
2: he's not a shooter yeah. at all. Um, I thought Mulder should have needed to be that guy for them. And, and there, a couple, there were a couple of
1: glimpses, but not enough. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, Dominique Hawkins, though, how how happy do you have to be for that kid? I mean, he was he was
1: he wasn't just really he, he wasn't just really good in, in the in the game against North Carolina. He was really good from the SEC tournament on. I mean, yeah. really, real like six man extraordinaire good for a kid
2: that could have gone a lot of places. Uh-huh. Could have played a ton at a lot of places. Yep. Could have transferred. Could have said, you know what, I got to wear the big blue. Yeah. I, I'm going to go. But obviously,
1: I'm never going to be able to get minutes because they're always recruiting guards over me, yeah. which is the way of the world. Uh, right. So it's your choice to stay or not. You're right. And he stuck it out.
2: And he, and he ended up becoming a critical piece. Now, I'm sure he would have loved to be a critical piece <laughs> on a Final Four team or a, a championship team, which, you know, you have to think after this with what's left that whoever won that game, like I, I joked on Twitter. Once that final horn sounded, hit one shining moment, <laughs> wrap it up, call it a season, do whatever. Go to Phoenix and it did have a title or something, there's, there's, but there's no question. Um, they're the prohibitive favorite now, um, but you have to be happy for Dominique Hawkins to get to experience that and to. He, he he's not going to get legend status in the state per
1: se. He would have he would have if so, if they win this game and he has another good game either, yeah. either the semifinal or the championship game. Kind of like Cameron Mills did the but, one year where Cameron Mills was off off his rocker making shots.
2: He's a kid that's not going to have to worry about a whole lot as long no. as he handles his business the rest of li- the right. rest of his life in the state. Right. Um, Unless he ends up like Richie Farmer in prison or something like that. But
1: <laughs> Kentucky proud. Remember that at all times, um, Rick. When you look at this this uh, this Kentucky team. It, 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 if the, if the bracket had been different, who knows. But bottom line is, they just, they were, it always felt like they were one guy down. And I don't know why that is when you're still talking about three NBA guys. It just never felt like there was – I never felt like they were good enough to win it. And obviously they were. I mean, if they win today and they're a guy missing a shot and going overtime, maybe winning overtime away from doing that, I, I would have told you they're probably the favorite in the Final Four. But it just never felt like this was a, a team capable of winning it.
0: One, I would say I think for whatever reason you hold Kentucky basketball to a different standard than you hold most other teams. I probably do. For whatever reason, you always seem to be a little more down on them than I think you would naturally would be another No, and you're probably not. It's probably fair because he Um, hates Coach Cal. I don't know if it's that or just because he watches them more and and so it's harder to stay as objective about them. But I thought this Kentucky team very clearly was talented enough, good enough to win a national title. That being said, I think your point about them feeling like Offensively, they were always kind of lacking one guy. Right. And maybe that's because your go-to scorer is really streaky mm-hmm. in Malik Monk. And let's face it, like he's a great bucket getter in terms of not—he's a great shot maker, not a great playmaker in terms of creating a lot of offense for himself and others. He's more of—he's going to run off of screens or isolate and get his shot, or in transit. or shot. he's
1: really good in transition. And
0: then when he gets really hot, he'll get going and just start yeah. hitting everything. But in terms of just like making plays within a normal flow of an offense. I don't think he's great at that, uh, and then De'Aaron Fox couldn't make a shot outside of ten feet for no. a lot of the year. So I think when you're those are kind of your two main guys, and then your th- your third best scorer is a traditional back to the basket post player, and your fourth best scorer can't hit a jump shot. It it becomes yeah, and Briscoe I guess is yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Um, it, I think that's where you kind of get no into spacing. there is there is ways to take away that, and it does sort of feel like they're just struggling to get that offense clicking on all cylinders for a lot of the years.
2: The spacing wasn't there, right? I mean, well,
0: I, the only thing I was, you're, the, you're the
2: you're the guy that breaks down tape, Rick. Like, what, do you, the spacing wasn't there. right?
0: I, I think that's part of it, but I think it's like Kentucky can play so fast, and they can do so many different things with the personnel they have that I don't know that it ever necessarily got to say like, oh, hey, they there wasn't enough space, and they should have drawn up better stuff or anything like that. I think I like that's part of it at times, but it's it's more of just like the confluence of everything working together and. Different guys being cold at the same times and certain guys going through slumps at the same time. It was, it was kind of a weird year on the offensive end for them. I,
1: I know coaches hate going to back-to-back sets very often. Sometimes they don't even go to a set two or three times in a game. But I really thought when, when towards the last five minutes, I mean the last six minutes, when they spread the floor, put Fox in the middle, and basically said, you're not guarding him off the bounce without help, and they couldn't. It got them back to that lead. Humphreys makes the shot then to go up five. and it was almost. I kept waiting for them to go back to that, especially with the lead, to say, you can't keep Carolina him in front. Thrown. They went zone for a couple trips, but then when they but went back to man, and it may have, maybe that may have, because Humphrey's missed the baseline jumper the yeah. first trip against the zone, and it was actually a, a pretty decent 12-foot look that he'd been making all game yeah. long. Um, but even when they went back, man, I thought a couple times that, that go back to that, because they, they couldn't. And I think that's probably why Roy Williams did go zone, because they couldn't keep Fox in front without help, and they chose not to help, and you voila. You can't keep right. Fox in front right. without
0: help. There's nobody in the country that can. We had talked about Fox last week before we went on TV, and we were just talking about his NBA prospects and how good he would be in the league. Did you? Your opinion change at all after no. like, seeing see him against Lonzo Ball and no, how? No, I found, mean he was great.
1: I, he killed him. I mean he absolutely killed him. I, I, the one thing, I, the only criticism would save him, and this is going to sound funny because he scored 39 in that game. and I don't know if you saw one of his quotes afterwards, and it came to my mind a couple times a day where he passed up 12 foot shots to either try to get somebody else a look, or he just didn't feel comfortable wherever he was on the floor. Um, I guess he he said at at halftime, he grabbed the stat sheet and said, I've I've shot the ball too much. And I'm thinking, dude, you're killing him. Just keep going with that. And maybe that's it. Maybe he needs more of a selfish attitude, as as strange as that sounds, for a point guard, because um, I think there's times he defers a few times too much. And I think until he proves to me he can be a consistent jump shooter and he got better at it, um, I still withhold judgment to whether he's going to be a great NBA point guard or not.
0: The jump shot thing is a problem, especially in the NBA where, let's face it, it's become – like if you're a point guard – most of, the point most, of them are lead. most of them
1: are lead guys. They're not 9.8-assist they're not guys. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most,
0: most of them are. Right. Well, well, and if they're not, or they're knockdown yeah. right. shooters. Correct. Yeah. Um, that's become a huge thing right. with the way the NBA likes to play because of their reliance on analytics and efficiency. And it's just the smart way to play. If you can shoot threes, it really helps. So that is an issue for him. But in terms of his unselfishness, that's where I think he is in some ways a better NBA point guard than he is a college point guard. Because in college, he's one of the best players on your team. You want, Like you said, you want him to be a little more selfish at times because – Hey, we need your offense. Right. On the NBA team, if he can make plays for all those guys on the court, those four other guys can score. They're NBA players. So I think in the NBA, he's very similar to Rajan Rondo without the head case yeah, issue. That's
1: probably a good call. He's far from a head case. Yeah. I mean, he seems he's like a very sound, from, from solid, from grounded. Says, yeah, yeah. Very grounded kid. Um, and and I, I think he's going to be able to develop a
2: jump shot.
0: Mm. It's not broken. I don't know if I'm it'll saying. ever no, be per- yeah, like a good shooter, but yeah, like. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be Rondo in that. That where, I mean, literally,
1: where people backed off of him from yeah. eighteen feet and said, – I, I think, think he's going to he yeah. make this.
0: UCLA was doing that to yeah. him. They were yeah. leaving him wide open. Well, and he banged in seven or eight seventeen footers. Mm-hmm. No, he played really, really well in that game, but
1: consistently. That, yeah, consistently. Because you
0: yeah. saw, so you saw enough. He he year. couldn't yeah. make a shot out of fifteen feet for most of right. the year. Right, most of the year.
1: Yeah, he actually stuck a. Did he stick a three today. He stuck a one towards the top of the end. Yeah. Yeah, no, a deep, he hit
0: two. I think he hit one for the okay, corner yeah. on a kick Oh, that's right. At the very end of the game. At the very
1: end of the game, when they made the they made the comeback. You know, Cal Perry was was one win away from a fifth Final Four in this tenure at Kentucky, which is really an absurd run. I mean, talent aside, it's an an absurdly good run. One title, and, and it feels like every year where you have what is perceived enough talent to win it all and they had it. It almost feels like how do you do this? How do you go through this again? And he does find a way to do that, but it just feels like there's a lot of emotion for fans that is there's never a surprise. You like a year like a Xavier, you know. If you're a Xavier fan, what what a great surprise the way that team! I mean, you can't help but feel great for a Kentucky fan. My wife, she game ended, she stormed off to the bedroom, slammed the door. She didn't want to talk to anybody. I'm like, come on! My God Almighty, it's a basketball game.
0: (laughs) <laughs> just throwing her under the bus on the podcast. I know. Fortunately, it, your family certainly no, it, does not it, listen.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, but no, because I, I, can, I, can, I can tell, and, and she doesn't really get vested in Kentucky basketball till the postseason. Um, you know, a lot of fans are vested very much from the blue-white game on. Um, but it feels like from, if you were emotionally tied to this, how you, how you go, oh, how do I do this again next year? And I know you do, but it just feels like, all the energy goes out when this this team has fallen short and again i'm talking about a guy one win from five final fours in what was his ninth his ninth year
0: yeah that's, like that. that's an absurd run i think that's the problem a lot of the uk people have with the one and done thing deep down it's that you get you they get so invested in no these doubt. players like they want these players to be their family members more or less no doubt. i mean you just think back to demarcus cousins and john wall who were there for a year you would think those were Guys that felt like they were at U.K. forever. The way U.K. fans talk no, about doubt. them and right. worship them right. and wear their jerseys and everything else. Anthony Davis is a god. Same Who thing. Might. Same exact thing. He got a title, and he is a god in Kentucky yeah. because of that. Yeah, And so it's, it's it's so it's so unique. I think, on one hand, that is the reason they don't like the one-and-done and done in the cow stuff, a lot of them. On the other hand, I think they're a fan base uniquely equipped to reset every year because they get so invested from right. the time these kids are recruited really? to the second that, that – blast buzzer sounds, that they they do love these players equally every single year and can get reinvested for a full I, season. I just got to get some more Kentucky boys. <laughs> is Why Rich- can't is Rich- Cal recruit the white student athlete?
1: <laughs> is Richie starting tonight – Oscar, is Richie going to start? Uh, he's not here any longer. Oh, okay, thank you. I'll hang up. Catch by 50.
0: I was wondering, do you think Brad Calipari will get – I think we need more pure shooters in the lineup. Do you think Brad Calipari uh, will get more minutes in the postseason? Oh, my heavens
1: to Betsy. All right, you guys are, are knee-deep in the recruiting stuff. How good can this team be next year based on what he's got coming in?
2: You know, it's they have a very interesting group next year. Because
1: um, this past year, it was, it was literally it – was, it was, it was, you were going to have an NBA-ready backcourt. They had a great
2: class in right. a great – Year, right? Like the talent was way up, yes, and they had three stars. Yes, I am a huge PJ Washington guy. Um, I really like Nick Richards, Quade Green. Um, I like Quade Green a lot. He is not much of a scorer, he's much more of a distributor. Um, he can score some, but he's not. He's
0: yes, not so I, I like Quate because I think he does, he's not nearly as elite athletically as Fox is, but I think he makes plays at a similar rate and he shoots he's definitely a better shooter yeah. than
2: Fox. Oh no question. Um what other what other guards do they have in there?
0: Who's, uh well they have the shy uh Alexander, Alexander yeah. Um who is an interesting guy. guy I think kind he's of a multi year
2: guy. League. He's he's um Well speaking, long, of, speaking a of multi-year combo guys. guard six 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 combo guard. Um Pretty good shooter, good feel for the game, but I think he's kind of a multi-year guy.
0: And then they landed Hamadou Diallo, who's kind yeah, of the prized yeah. possession yeah. of the class now. So incredible yeah. athlete, and you can't forget about that. Just a incredible athlete.
1: Does he come back though?
0: Yeah, I think he does.
1: Just to show showcase stock, he, he wants to play. Yeah, I think,
2: yeah, I think that's the, the the first time we saw him. It was Rick and I. I together. should say come
1: back. Does he? Does he eventually does play? because he,
2: yeah. he could have played this semester. We were watching. Um, we were watching his team. And he didn't kind of, it was what Rick, the first half he didn't really do anything, but you could see like length and athleticism. And this is when he was like a
0: sophomore. Second half, he was just a freak. And oh, I think Chad was watching Twitter a lot on his phone during that first half because I loved it. I was like, this kid can go. No, I just Chad was like, I don't know. He doesn't seem that good. I was like, you might have missed the th- <laughs> three to five dunks he had in the first half. No,
2: dunks, I mean, yeah, hes he can dunk. I want to see, I just didn't get yeah, the skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see his overall skill set, and I didn't see a lot. Of, like, you could see the talent was yeah. there. The second half came along, and it was like, oh, he's an explosive athlete and he can go. Um, Nick Richards is, is I think, going to be, be a really good player for them. Uh, shot blocker, really good rebounder. Um, they're going with, with him and P.J. Washington, that they're going to be a little bit more interior-based, I think.
0: They're going to be really physical, I think. Yeah. I think both those guys are pretty tough and play and, hard. And
2: P.J. Washington can shoot. I mean, he's 6'8", 240 pounds, and, and really has nice touch. He can pass. He can drive to the rim. They're going to be a much different style team, I think, next year.
0: They are every year, aren't they? Yeah, you? they are. <laughs> yeah, it just depends it on what they amazing? get. It's yeah. amazing the way that works. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's it's one year it's it's will the backcourt it's, will carry the load. Yeah. It's one year a post guy well, will carry the load. Speed. One year it's power. One, one year, year it's, it's shooting. wings. Yeah,
0: last year it's like hey, all we got is Jamal Murray and right. a point guard who's really, really high IQ and yep. really tough and plays his ass off, but just isn't all that talented. And he can
1: only carry. Yeah, it can only carry you so far. He yeah. carries you to the second round. I mean, he's doing all right in the
0: NBA. Yeah. No, I, I shouldn't say not talented, but, but like, he's limited. Yeah, I mean, he's five nine or and, yeah. whatever he is. So. It, it, it was going to be
1: hard for him you know, to carry to you all Devin the way Downey to a national title.
0: Talent. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say.
1: <laughs> Devin Downey was talented, he, but Devin Downey was not going to carry anybody to a national championship either, uh, but he was a talented player.
0: And Devin Downey is not uh, Tyler
1: Euless. Tyler Euless. That is a fact. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is a dyed-in-the-wool fact. And then you mesh with whatever's coming back. I mean, who, who out of that group would need to take a step forward is capable of taking that step forward? Gabriel, yeah. maybe was he the biggest letdown? No, because he was really raw
2: to begin with. That was he wasn't um, he wasn't in that class of the guys of at the, the very top yet. of that right. class. What his situation was, he was a complete unknown, complete unknown right. coming into the spring. Got his name out there a little bit in the spring, and then when the summer hit, he had a great July. And by the end of July, everybody's like, you know, this kid's got. Major upside, but he he wasn't polished by any stretch. I mean, of the
1: it's a rare typical freshman that that yeah, freshman big man especially. He's really more of a kind of an outside stretch guy, but but more of a freshman big man that it does take time to develop. Back in the day, it would take until his junior year to develop, and now you're yeah. you're assuming that a kid that Kentucky plucked as, as a freshman is going to step in and give you. NBA level talent right off the bat. It just didn't it just wasn't there.
0: Well, and let's be clear, he uh played extremely hard when he was yeah. on the floor, which is yeah. great to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he rebounds like a monster for a guy who's not very big and right. physical. He's going to get much bigger, he's tougher, stronger. Uh I think I think his upside looks great. I think he's going to be a really good player going forward. And I at Humphrey's
1: can give them some depth down there. You, you would have to think that what, what he did in what, what amounts to the final game for him in 2017 has to be a huge confidence boost. Absolutely. He, his his face-up game from 12 feet was
0: was very, very, very good. Well, and, and he's a difference maker on the offensive right, class. Right, yeah.
2: Briscoe's going to be, I mean, is that, well, is it, is he a sophomore? Yeah, yeah, sophomore. sophomore this year. Yeah. Feels like he's been there. For, I know. Because it does. nobody it, comes back for, for year two two years. Yeah, it feels well, like and, he's been and, there forever. Because everybody
1: assumed he was a quick yeah. one and done guy, too, and it has not materialized for him because um, he just doesn't
2: shoot the ball. I mean, he's going to have to be the leader of that team by far. Um, and he's going to play the same role again. He's going to be kind of an off the ball, kind of their de facto three. Well, probably de facto two because Hamidou Diallo will probably be the, the small forward. Cal finally gets that jumbo. You know,
1: you watch Briscoe, though, and there is some leadership there. Yeah. I mean, he showed it even this year. There's a, It's just, it's hard if you're not the best guy to sometimes be the
0: leader. I mean, if... if nah, I, see, I don't buy that. I think it'll be easier for him going forward. Now you're talking... Like, if he comes back, he's a junior right. now. And he has... The maturity like, level. he been around. Like, right. he's, he's done some things. And he's a big, tough kid. I think he naturally, guys, follow him kind yeah. of yeah. because of the way he is. So I think if he comes back, he'll be a big piece. But the thing is, like... I could see him not coming back. Not that there's a huge market out there for there's, him. There's but not. I, I just the way things work at Kentucky and the thing these kids have in their but, head. But, but,
1: and but the only thing I would tell you is, I don't think he gets recruited over the top of enough to where he's not going to play a significant
0: portion. I mean, he's going to play a lot. I guess next it's year. possible. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I mean, he's going to play thirty plus. No, no question about that. But I'm, I'm just saying, does he yeah. have in his mind that? He needs to go right now. You never know. The clock is ticking and it's time. Just from things I've heard, I could see him potentially leaving. But I don't think it's the right time for him. I think he'd definitely benefit from another year, for sure. And probably a a fourth year as well.
1: Yep. Yeah, probably. And a fifth if he could get it. (laughs) That's only if something happens in the third or the fourth. <laughs> all right, Rick, let's touch on uh, on Xavier. Um, I'm out. I said all my nice stuff <laughs> I knew right ahead. I'll go with Ray. If you, wanna, if you like chiming in, just lean forward and, and talk. Uh, it, kind of a letdown end to it, but um, bottom line is still the, the run. And even at the end of the first half, McCure hits the three that gets waved off from 9,000 feet out. Felt like it would have been a huge momentum lift. And even as, as bad as things went in that first half, you look up and you go – it's only 10. I mean, this team scratched and clawed. It scratched and clawed back deep in the Arizona game. But really, I think, I think that was more of a maybe Gonzaga really is that good. And eventually, you know what? You just hit the wall.
0: Yeah, I think, one, Gonzaga is really good, obviously. I mean, they deserve that. The thing is, they're consistent. They don't have holes. Right. They don't make mistakes to give you the game back. And if they shoot the way they did against Xavier, which, again, I think was partly due to the way Xavier started the game defensively and really doubling down on Karnowski, trying to get out of the post. I think they gave a few too many really good looks early in the game to Gonzaga, which helped get them going. But at the same time, you keep shooting at a 50% clip for right. the entire game, and at some point, there's just nothing you can do about it. It's their night. And on the other side, Xavier just didn't make shots and we knew you can say anything else you want you can talk about any matchups or game plans or adjustments you want if Gonzaga was going to shoot 50% from 3 and Xavier was not going to shoot it well Xavier had no shot and we knew everyone knew that right. going in so I think in a lot of ways it was kind of an easy game for Xavier fans to swallow because, like Chris Max said after the game, they lost to a team that was clearly better, that also played much better than they did on that night. And at the same time, I think Xavier fans, after losing on those those dagger shots from Bronson Koenig last year, if, if, if you're going to go
1: out, just you know what, go out drinking a beer at the 10 yeah, minute mark, going, exactly. I know what, I think, what a year, I what a year. Here's to the like, team. I'm better
0: off with this. I'm I'm fine with this. Yeah, no, it was and it
1: was a, a great great run. Now the question is, then how do you how do you build on this, and where do you build on this from, and and where do things go from here?
0: Well, it, I think one thing you saw last year, they obviously, they were, they're still riding a bit of a wave of momentum because of the switch to the Big East. And people, you know, in the outside are still starting to recognize, hey, Xavier's in the Big East. That's right. So it's, it's kind of really caught up to them. I think last year on the recruiting trail, that was the first year. You saw them get a significant bump. Their current recruiting class for 2017 is ranked eighth in the country right now. They've got a really nice class coming in. But you disappointed in the tournament last year. And then this year, you were ranked top 10 preseason, and you disappointed for most of the regular season. So I wrote about this after the game. I thought the fact that they went on that postseason run was a huge momentum boost for them heading into the spring and summer recruiting again. Because now you just gained all, all that the publicity and notoriety you had last year because you were a top five team and you beat Villanova and all that type of stuff. You just gained all that tenfold right. by making another Elite Eight run and, and Chris Mack's name getting put out there. And the Indiana job thing even helped a little bit because he was mentioned for that a lot, even though nothing really happened before Xavier was no. even out of the tournament. No, and
1: not to cut you off on that because I, I want to let you finish, but, but even, you know, we even talked Friday about, about, you know, how long does Indiana wait? And it was funny that the very next morning, Indiana stopped waiting and went, went the Archie Miller, Miller route. So, it, but but you're right, at least name had been talked about leading up to that. And whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, whether it was true or not, if, if you're national, you do see that and you see, oh, that's the... The guy I might go play for? Well, right. He,
0: Normally coaches are all pitching themselves to kids and their parents and everything else, and their coaching staffs are trying to say, oh, no, our, our guy's great. Look at all these nice things that have been said right. about him. Look at this stuff from last year or whatever. They, Chris Mack and his staff doesn't have to do that. The national media just did it for him Absolutely. for the last two
1: well, weeks. Well, let's face it. The run the – run, I mean, that's what, it, that's what a run oh, like this does. That
0: exactly what it does. No, we'll get. I guess we'll
2: probably get. To, we'll probably stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah. I just
1: didn't know if you want to touch on, on what we were just talking about with our I go. Lean back, I had yeah.
2: a thought on the coaching stuff, and then I figured that we would probably Wait, do yeah, a segment we'll, on it later. So wrong we'll, segment. Yeah.
1: Wrong segment. Yeah, lean wrong back segment. again. We'll get you back in here in a second, Chad. I, but I
2: wasn't really fully paying attention. to that was, was that I, was very I, clear. I, I
1: realized that. Um, the big question though for Xavier fans, I'm guessing, is what is Trayvon Blue doing? I'm not asking to 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 to, to know it this time because obviously he doesn't know it this time. But if you if you were to guess, what what do what do you think happens? Or is it really that much of a toss up and Maybe toss your name in and see what happens, and and pull it back out at the last second again.
0: If I had to get like I don't, I think ideally Xavier would not like to deal with the put your name in and are you aren't you type situation. That's probably not their call to make. And Trayvon may end up doing that. Like that may be the the best decision for him. I think at the end of the day, Trayvon needs to do whatever right for him. I don't know what his goals are in life and all that type of stuff. So. if he wants to go. He needs to go. Well, let
1: me, did, did he play himself into the first round? Hell no. Okay.
0: No ch- like, I don't think he's ever a first-rounder, okay. though, no matter what happens. Can he raise his stock sum from where he's at right now? If he comes back and plays the way he did in the, in the tournament, the postseason, Xavier's run at the end, and I'm including the Big East in there sure, as well. Right. If he plays like that for a full season... Then maybe he's in like the national player of the year conversation. He's probably not going to win it because he's not a two-way guy and he has some limitations. But maybe he's in that conversation enough and maybe it boosts his stock a little bit more. You know what I mean? But we're talking probably like maybe he can get to an upper second round type of guy at his at his peak. I don't think he's quite there yet. I think he could I don't know how much a stock in terms of the NBA benefits from another year. I do think for him there are real benefits in coming back for another year, and, and what I mean by that is he was a really important recruit in Xavier history. He was a guy that was known a known commodity from his freshman and sophomore year in high school. Xavier targeted him while Michigan and Michigan State and Louisville and Indiana and all these other big time programs were targeting him that whole time, and they won out. He was the gem of, of their highest-ranked recruiting class in school history.
1: And you think the last two years you were a two-seed. Again, you got bounced out early, but you were a two-seed, and you made an Elite Eight run with a guy like that.
0: Right. He's been a really important figure. And then this Elite Eight run does a lot to cement his legacy. It's big in terms of how he'll be remembered at Xavier. But he's 15th right now in all-time scoring at Xavier after this tournament run. If he comes back and averages 18 points a game or whatever it was this not a, year. Yeah, it's not an impossible number. He, yeah, it's what he averaged this year. If he comes back and has the same type of year he jumps up to number two all time. And then you're talking about him like he's Byron Larkin and David West and a true legend in Xavier. And he can come back and be helped out around city with business and things yep. like that. I mean, it's a big deal to be a legend at that level at your alma mater. So I think there is a real benefit if he wants to come back for another year.
1: I guess I'm just one of the It's not my decision to make, and I don't want to tell kids what to do from a decision standpoint. I just,
0: If you're not getting guaranteed money, how does it benefit you to come out? Well, Just from the standpoint of look, if you told me my junior year of college, hey, you can make six figures doing whatever, and you don't have to go to school anymore, I'm probably going to say yes. Like, there's not a lot of things that could have been said to deter 20 year old me from saying yes to six figures.
2: No, you're trying to get four.
0: No, I exactly. (laughs) I
1: I, I, I get. I'm. I'm. I guess the way I look at it is the, the the upside earning potential if you were to come back versus the short term of, of that. Or may, you know, maybe goes for 10 years and plays in Istanbul and has a great life and makes $200,000 with a rent-free condo and a car, and good for you. Who have I compared him to all along? Sean
2: Kilpatrick. Yeah. I mean, Sean Kilpatrick had that type of senior year and still went undrafted yep. and had to work the hard way. And now it's coming true. Like he finally got there. But I, I think Sean Kilpatrick had, and this is going to sound, I
1: thought he always had a bit more guard skills though. Sean Kilpatrick couldn't dribble.
0: I don't know. Just, I just I think Trayvon was the better ball handler his whole career, right until like the very end yeah. of Kilpatrick's senior year. The second half of that year, he really showed a little more playmaking ability. And let me let's, let's. And I never thought he'd be an NBA guy either. But I, I none of us yeah, did. Right. You made that comparison a lot. Did you see a little bit more from Trayvon in in the sense of the the yes. more getting into attack mode and making more playing plays? downhill, playing shoulders square, down to the rim, which I thought that was always the difference between. them. Yes. Sean did that stuff much
2: better. That's what we talked about to get to where. That comparison worked. He had to do more of that stuff, and we saw. And we it. saw that it, not a ton, but more of it. But yeah. more of it. He worked it in where it, you know what do you a think lot it of was? times. Well, it's just repetition and, and expanding your game. Because what what Trayvon did and what Sean did early in his career until he learned this. When you're especially guys that can shoot it the way that they, that they can shoot it, when you catch it, your first instinct is the shot. Correct. And you're you're straight up and down. Right. As you mature and you and you learn a little bit more, you learn this isn't a time that I've got catch-and-shoot. But that's a feel so you thing. you catch That's experience. It's, thing, yeah. it's being a veteran. It's learning feel. It's learning the, the, how, to, the, how to play the, off of yourself.
1: The funny part, I said earlier in the year I thought he should do more of that. And he did. But uh, the funny part was after the, after the UC game where he reined in jump shots from everywhere, there was a part of me that thought, Man, oh man! Now, if you decide, hey, this is what I do, it could have been it could have been a bad thing. And and obviously, you know, the injury kind of came shortly after that, and and he was out for a few games. But then down the stretch, I mean, all you have to do is look at the free throw numbers. He he shot 13 free throws in a six game stretch before the last six game stretch, once he got to the line 50 times. That's not coincidence, man. That's not because. Well, that's what Sean dominated at. That's how Sean got to 2,000 points.
2: Was he had nine points in a game before the game started because of the line? Yeah, because of the free throw line. And you could just put it down. He was going to the line 14 times, and he was going to make at
0: least nine of them, like to me, the most important thing with that is just the confidence. Those guys yeah. trusted their jumpers, but they always struggled to get by guys and beat them off the dribble. I think what they had to figure out was How? I don't have to beat you off the dribble. I just have to have a step on you when I catch the ball and yeah. rip through. See, and, and I'm once athletic I enough, use my body right. and my frame and lean into my strength and my IQ. I can make things happen. And Trayvon has really shown some impressive finishes. In the, or he did in the postseason, I should say. Yeah, no, very much so. so that, that I had never seen from him. So Playing and, through contact,
1: finishing through contact. Exactly right. And and then occasionally get into the contact and, and get into the line with it.
2: And I, and I think he leaves just a hunch. I mean, just a guess on my part. Because I, d- I don't know that it, when he sits down with his dad, they're, they're going to think outside of my stock is never going to get higher. But I completely agree with you on the, the status thing. Because Sean Kilpatrick can come back to Cincinnati and do whatever he wants for right. as long as he wants forever. And if he would have left after his junior year... He would have been a guy. Like, he'd have been a dude, and everybody would have, hey, SK, what's up, man? Good to see you back. But it wouldn't have been. Right. The, the SK farewell tour and, that you had his and entire still, and, and senior and year. And he still
1: very much embraces... Absolutely. embraces You see, embraces the area. Absolutely.
0: Right. like I mean, it's really cool that Jordan Crawford had a great year at Xavier, and he's the most talented player that's ever played at and, Xavier. And it
1: felt like it was a blip on the radar.
0: Exa- I mean, I mean he really he, does. no offense, but like, he really doesn't mean that Lance. much in this city. you know? I mean, right. That type of thing. And, then, and Trayvon's obviously passed that because it's three years, and he's led him to an Elite Eight. I'm not saying that's a good comparison. I'm just saying you can be great at a school and accomplish really good things. And it just doesn't always matter that much. You're not going to be one of those legends unless you play out a full career and you end up as one of the and all-time. And it comes down sports. to: too,
1: Do you enjoy school? I mean, that, that, that's always a big question to ask, sure. too. And some always. guys, some guys really, some guys actually, they enjoy all the parts that go with it. SK did. I know I SK. Mean, S-K. <laughs> the, the parties, the girls, um, e- even you know, they're, they're focused to some degree on the degree. I mean, some guys actually enjoy the four-year period of, look, th- this is this is my little bubble here. And outside, when I get outside this bubble, here comes adulthood smacking me in the face. Yeah, well,
0: we we talk about how bad conditions can be for student athletes and how they should deserve some of the money or whatever. Like we get in that conversation a lot and we want to make it out to be like this is a tough situation for these kids. Let's not forget it's an awesome time in their life. No like doubt. it's a lot of fun too even though hey there are some things that job. aren't equal and yeah. they maybe should be rewarded a little bit better for it. Still it's it's still a great time in their life. What he hasn't had
2: at Xavier is is being the guy. Like and I don't mean as like well, on fishier. the court the guy. I mean like every time in the media like when the media requests somebody it's him um, being like the where everything's on his shoulders yeah part
0: of that's on him though his, I, he I agree. doesn't like it he, he, but, he doesn't want to come to any media things like media members were mad at the end of the year because cuz was bernard and, because, well he, he, he was named all biggie's first team and didn't talk to anyone that day and he, people asked requested him and he he told tom no right. he's
2: so, got to he's got to accept that if he if he is to come back and to get to that level here you've got it like everybody in town wanted to talk to SK all the time Mm. because he was a great interview and he gave good answers and you knew you could get something from him to, I think that's part of, especially in this town, that's part of taking that step. And I think if he decides to come back, he's going to have to embrace that a little bit more than he has.
1: Um, The other one is what becomes of Edmund Sumner.
0: Yeah. And that one's so interesting. I would agree with Chad. If I, if you put a gun to my head, I would lean towards Trayvon's going to leave. If you talk about Edmund Sumner, I think it's probably like 50-50 right now. I really don't think he has a clue of what he's the, going to do. Now, for the person
1: hearing this and they're thinking, wait a minute, the kid just hurt his knee. Well, doesn't he have to show the NBA something? I mean, yes. to, to walk, walk people through that, that, that process because if I'm listening to that and I'm not familiar with the situation, I'm going, wait a minute. This guy's he's got to come back, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, so my take on that, and this isn't. Edmund Sumner's take on it, yeah, or right, his dad's right, take on right, it. So right. they may see it completely different. They have may have different priorities. I will say Edmund does like school. He's a, a computer science major, I believe. I mean, he's really into the stuff. He's a really smart kid. So he's not a kid that's like, oh, I don't want to go back yeah. to class. And, at all. and there are some kids that make that decision because yeah. they hate everything about that. Well, he went and had his knee surgery elsewhere. Was gone for a week or two, and he's already back at class. Like is he really? he's back on campus and has been taking classes again. He's going to finish out this year no matter what, which is a great sign if you're a Xavier fan hoping he comes back. Yeah, because it would have been very easily
1: for him in, in Just say, when that hurt, yeah, you were, what, two weeks into school, three weeks into the semester when he hurt himself. Um, he, he didn't have surgery right away, but he had it obviously fairly close to yeah. after the injury. Had to wait a little while. Right, because, well, yes, yeah. 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 Um, but he could have easily at that point gone, look, I'm going to go have surgery, and I'm going to have to start some rehab, and I'm going to miss some class time, and I don't want to play catch-up with all that. I'm just – I'm done for the semester, and, and you're right. For him to stick it out I think is a sign, a good yeah. sign.
0: So, so he had the knee surgery. I mean you're talking like best-case scenario is eight to ten months in a, in a recovery from that to get to play sports again, and more than and you're talking about
1: literally right at the start of is practice he, time into the first month. Any, then, I,
0: any idea when the shoulder is? Well, and that's the other thing. Right. He, he also has to get labrum surgery, which I hear is a very difficult rehab.
1: Not to be funny, is it, is it that difficult for a non-pitcher? I
0: hear it's, I hear, okay. I hear it, I hear it's just a ruling process. Okay. Like, it's not fun to go through. I don't know, like, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying it's probably not going to be fun. Yeah, Cash has
2: talked about, Cash May Wright is... Works for Bearcat Journal and has done our podcast, and I had the same injury. And he said it is not fun at all. I mean, it's it is just a lot of stuff that is not normal for you to have to to, to like rehab to get, to get
1: your range of motion yeah. back and all that. Because, yeah.
2: it, it, like, I'm sure for a pitcher that those motions are normal,
1: right? Right. For a, for a basketball, yeah,
2: for a basketball player doing stuff to get that, yeah, you know, and especially if it's what we were talking about, where they were saying it was, you know, pretty much full.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know anything about the injury or what it entails to get it back, so I don't want to like put that. Yeah, on no, the no, road, no. But just what I. But, but heard he needs. No, but, but he has I've, to have it cleaned I've, up. I talked to a lot of people about. No, there's it, no.
1: But he has to have it done. That's, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. yeah. So
0: he not only is he dealing with the ridiculous rehab of his knee, he's also dealing with that <laughs> rehab. Do you want to put yourself in a situation where you? So if you're if you're coming back, I don't think he wants to come back for two full years. But you could think about if he comes back next year. You think a year from where he had that injury is the second half of the biggest season right you know like he could not be able, ready to play for really any of next year and then at that point you you came back for nothing basically and then you've got a whole nother year which he's not going Correct. to stay for right so at that point it's probably best for him to just go now and granted he's he may or may not get drafted to the bottom of the second round he's not talented enough that anyone's going to stash, you know, draft and stash him for a year and pay for him to rehab and keep him on the roster during that time. They're not going to do that. So he's going to have to probably do the Samaje-Kristen route if he decides to go, which is, one, he rehabs first, which Samaje didn't have to do. But then you go overseas or the D-League, and you play your way into a a small contract, and then hopefully you get a guaranteed deal at some point.
1: So what do these decisions do for Chris Mack moving forward recruiting-wise?
0: Well, in the immediate future, I think they're definitely going to look for a fifth year guy for next year and that could be anything. Like they found Malcolm Bernard sort right of at the end of the year and everyone said, "Why would they need a wing? You've got Trayvon, you've got JP, you've got" yeah, they, what they Gage, need they needed Miles they needed Gage. a body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just went and said, "This guy can help us. We need a body." We'll take him. They'll do a similar thing this year, I would imagine. They'll try to find another guy. And remember, they have uh, Juco Brady Ernst coming in along with the five-man recruiting class. But you still would like to
1: know at some point when you hit the road what's going on with these two guys too.
0: Well, and and you're not going to know that probably until closer to the draft, I would guess. I could see Edmund making the decision a little sooner. And he is – like all the stuff he's put out there recently, and he's been really active on social media and Twitter and Instagram and even talking to the media – Everything makes it sound like right now he feels like he's coming back. But that's in the midst that's of in the a mold. 16 in the run and a right. late eight run. Right. He's around his guys, right. and it's really fun. And it's like, yeah, I got to get back to this. But then two weeks later when you're back to just going to class and rehabbing, right. we'll see how much fun he thinks it is still and, and whether or not he still wants to make that choice. But my guess, if I had to guess right now, I'd say Edmund comes back. Trayvon doesn't. You get Edmund for the second half of next year.
1: Uh, let's talk the, the the coaching carousel a little bit here. Um, we actually started talking Friday about the Indiana job, and, and we brought up, would Steve Alford be a candidate? Would Chris Mack be a candidate? And you made the point, how long is Indiana willing to wait? would have turned out they would have only had to wait till till Monday for either one of those guys, but the decision had already been made where Archie Miller was, was, was named the coach. I, I mean, obviously he was going to get a job at some point somewhere, probably quickly. Um, did it surprise you at all with him making the move, with Indiana making the move? Um,
0: it surprised me. It didn't surprise me at all that. It- that he would take that job or that Indiana would want to offer it to him. It surprised me after we had heard so much about, oh, it's Alford, and I was hearing Tony Bennett's name a lot the last few days right before they hired Archie. It surprised me that we hadn't heard Archie's name, but since we hadn't, I didn't think he was well, going to be the coach that soon. The Peaks had it, though, right? Like,
2: weren't they on Archie all along?
0: I don't. I must not have been following closely enough to hear that guy. Did not notice that. I not, don't want to slam someone that works on our network, but no,
2: no. I mean, like Rav Johns and those guys. Like Archie was the first, the first profile they put up.
0: Yeah, I mean, they might have had that, but most people, including them, were riding the Alfred train pretty hard there the last few days. Okay, uh, just because there was so much. It's your network, not mine.
2: Coffee. I wasn't sure. I right,
0: was... right. Um, but yeah, I thought Archie was the best guy for their job. Like we talked about it on the last podcast. What made Steve Alfred a good hire other than Lonzo Ball? <clears throat> What would have made him a good choice? Yeah,
2: I, I thought Mac was the best candidate, but Archie and wasn't far behind.
0: Right. But, I mean, even with Tony Bennett. like, Do you think no. the Indiana fans would have been no. happy scoring 40 points in a tournament game? No. No.
2: Well, they said because Crean's team's never really played defense. They, they, their their this, thought was, this is the we op- need a defense guy. <laughs> this,
1: is the yeah. this is the extreme. This is the opposite extreme, though. He would be the anti-Crean for it sure. No and, he
0: would, and I'd love to see Tony Bennett be able to get even a higher level of player than he's currently getting at Virginia, which I think he could probably do at Indiana. But... Indiana people would not put up with the embarrassment of 40 points in a NCAA right. tournament loss. 39. 39, actually. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't hit I'm the I'm glad you guys point, point that out.
0: Shout out to Moeller.
1: Almost almost won with 38. Did not quite do it. Lost 39-38. Um, uh, so what becomes of the Dayton job? I mean, there's a lot of
2: speculation around it. Um, I mean, you have to wonder. Anthony Grant's an alum. Right. And he's, he's, and he's got head coaching coaching out experience. of work. Right? right? Correct.
1: He's been out of work since Alabama. I don't yeah. think he, he didn't go somewhere else to get an assistant job, right? No, I... Did he get an assistant I, job?
2: I think he might be doing something with an NBA team, or I'd heard he was oh, okay. doing something yeah. like consulting. or Yeah, because you know, some, not, I'm sure
1: there's some money from Alabama that still was owed him that precluded him from saying, just let, let me play this yeah, deal.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, he's an interesting one. He's with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder as an assistant. Okay. It
2: makes Donovan. sense. Billy Donovan. Yeah, yeah okay. He was an assistant That's, to right. Billy That's Donovan where it too. was. Okay. Um, I think he would be, be a, a really smart hire. Um... You wonder – I've heard um, Luke Murray's name thrown around by a person or two.
0: um, I saw that, too, just recently on social media. It kind of caught me off guard. That's not because I don't think Luke could be a a head coach. Actually, I think that would be a really interesting one. And let's be honest, like, one, I think Luke can really recruit – and you get a pretty huge publicity for that. You bump do, there. there's like, no question. And that shouldn't be a reason to hire a coach, but let's be honest, it's not like the worst thing if you're going to somewhere like Dayton and you want to make sure you're are there, in the national spotlight in terms of recruiting. Are
2: there any 100 year old nuns that he could mess yeah. up their hair? Give, at give at a diggy to?
0: Bizarre move. Bill Murray tussling sister's hair is one of the craziest things I've seen another person do. Like, you're allowed to touch nuns' heads like that? When they're that age, if you're Bill Murray, if you're Bill Murray, amazing, amazing move by him. That was just incredible. <laughs> A little bizarre move by him. Um, yeah.
2: I saw John Brandon's name pop up. I don't know that that I I would do it. Like, yes, I, I think he's that good, but I don't know that you're going to see programs at the level of Dayton and higher go after John until he does it again.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's fair. I think, fair. I think one,
2: yeah. I think one, you're you're kind of at that level. You're kind of considered okay. You finished fourth in your league. You had a great run in the conference tournament, where the one and two seed and the three seed lost before you got to them. Let's see you do it again. Sure, I think that's. I think you could see somebody a a step up from NKU come calling. I don't think you see anybody at like Dayton or higher. No, no,
1: and the only thing you argue is is what do you classify the A10 as? That being said, Dayton's almost a separate entity from that because of its 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 string of success. Right. Well, like Dayton, VCU,
2: Rhode Island, I kind of have. Like off to the side, off to the side yeah, in the A10. Yeah, Those are a different agreed. level of job because of their commitment to the program. Yeah, right. I mean, basketball is huge. Right, Fordham not so much. Correct. So, um, Duquesne. God, they can't get a coach to eat. Like they can't. They're like every day. It's like so and so has pulled his name from the Duquesne job. What is being, happening when they
1: interview people? It'll wind up being a Pittsburgh high school coach, probably. Seriously, what is happening when they interview people? It's probably where they're saying, "Now you're only making 110." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we got, we
2: got. 58,000. Yeah, exactly. 58,000 a year. And, and we to think get to we you. Can get
1: the little kids camp, we can get you another 6,500. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll stay where I'm, I'm at. Oh, you're making 246 in yeah. your high major assistant job? Exactly. <laughs> no, I think Anthony Grant's a great call. I mean, he is an alum. Um, he has head coaching experience. He's been a successful he is head coach. a loyal dude. Things did not work out. I, I really thought he was a home run hire for Alabama. I um, thought it he was an awesome hire. I did, it just didn't. It didn't work, no. right, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, the SEC was pretty decent then, too. So he ran Vanderbilt, had good teams. Um, A&M had some good – I mean, the, the, the SEC was pretty decent then, and maybe that was part just of it. He never just, got
2: the traction correct. recruiting that, that region.
1: Correct. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, I, I think that would probably be a, at least a guy that, that's either going to get a phone call or, or even more than that when it was all said and done.
2: Who do you think, Rick? You're over there type, type, typing away.
0: No, I, I was just looking at some things. I mean, I think Jeff Bowles is going to be a name that you yeah. hear. I think there's the possibility that they would look to promote from within. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting job to be seen filled. I I think John Brandon would be a great candidate for it because I think he's a hell of a coach, and I think he's going to continue to prove himself. But I agree that I don't think he's the guy that gets this job yet. So... It really opens some things up. It's kind of interesting that you haven't heard Steele's name. Like, we've heard Luke Murray's name thrown yep. around. I haven't seen Travis Steele's name thrown around for this I job either. at all. I, I've heard his name with Miami. Well, and I was, was going to
1: segue into that. Um, yeah, what becomes of that job? And that, that's just that, that's one that Such I just. a bad job. It is. I just. I,
0: I mean, I, I keep hearing Steele's name. If they can get Travis Steele, I think it'd be a tremendous get for somewhere like Miami. I'm a little surprised Travis Steele would be interested in, the, in that job. Honestly, that's the
1: thing I, for a job like that. Where, where, where do the you, arenas a dump? Where do you no support? Yeah, where do you find a, a coach for that job? I mean, you're going to find somebody, obviously. I mean, I mean, Steele would be phenomenal because well, but, but again, it's got to be he two way. In Indiana, I, I'm and almost get, talking more two way street. You're going to yeah. you can find someone to ask. Is that person then going to go? Oh, sure, I want it as opposed to I'm, I'm making decent money here, and
0: I'd rather there's wait no way for another would another bigger pay him job
2: more than what Xavier's paying him. I wouldn't think. Rick, mm, I think it'd be close. Opinion?
0: I, I don't know what Miami's job pays, so
2: I can't. Uh, I just from the, their their two hundred and fifty, maybe. I'm just
1: throwing a ballpark. Uh, to maybe out. okay,
0: but I, I called Brian Snow. I have no idea. Yeah, I, the only thing I can tell you is He's I not, just he, we're not having it's him on just, this podcast. <laughs> excuse me, it's just a job that just
1: it it just has no appeal.
2: There's no support. There's no fan base. There's no
1: where did that? How did that? Where did that go? I think it's I wish I could answer, because I get to ask that question sometimes. They, they used to be the lovable little school that everybody... Well, that was Charlie. The, well, there was, but there was the, the Xavier fan who kind of was okay with Miami, and there was the UC fan that was okay with Miami, and there were the Northern Kentucky people that looked and go, oh, good old little Miami, we play them every once was in Charlie. a while. Charlie. But it was football too, though. Eh, not as much in football. Eh, yeah, I, maybe.
2: I think as as Charlie got older, they started to slip.
1: Yeah, correct. and then they slipped really hard.
2: And then when he when he passed... And when he left and then passed, and then passed, yeah, it, it ended things for like it, it, the, the program just hit absolute rock bottom.
1: Quickly. I mean, I mean, quickly. You ever, you ever been there? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, that hall is a dump. I saw Xavier, a Xavier play up there probably a decade ago when it was it a dump an then. Absolute dump. No, it, it, no, no question. But it's a, it's a very tough one. Uh, I do want to talk about one other national job that, that's at least available. That's the Georgetown job. Um, where do they go? What do they do? You made an interesting comment
2: before the show that I've you heard had heard Tom Crean. Crean's name
0: already. Um, with that one. It,
2: it sounds really strange. Yes. 100%. But.
1: Because in theory, you're taking a failed coach off, of, right off of a failed job. Right. Right, wrong, or However you perceive it.
0: Except for, let's be honest, if he achieved the same level of success at, at Georgetown that he had at Indiana, Georgetown people would be thrilled <laughs> well, right no, now.
1: That's, that's, that's legit. No.
0: That's
2: legit. What people don't get in the the behind-the-scenes stuff in this is he made a big splash into the D.C. area when he landed um, Victor Oladipo. And that was in large part because he hired Kenny Johnson. Kenny Johnson was a a, a key component in the team takeover AAU program. Johnson has moved on. He's now at, at Louisville. But there's still three or four guys like Crane has really been able to tap in to that Baltimore, and that's rich, that in Virginia, talent. you know, Washington DC area of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, if he can, I mean, that's what Georgetown has lost. Like the the landscape of that region is really difficult to read a lot of times. Um, Maryland with um, Mark Turgeon. No, before him. The old guy. Um, the guy, that Gary, to, Gary Williams. Williams. Sorry. He wouldn't play the games. Wouldn't mess with it. Wasn't going to deal with the AAU coaches. Wasn't going to, you know, glad hand. But, but, and, but, but, and, but that landscape has changed dramatically in the last decade. Dramatically. Well, that's what got him out. Right. Because he wouldn't play that game. Turgeon is playing that game. And Turgeon is doing... Really, really well in that area in terms of recruiting. Now, there's more than enough talent for just one spot. No doubt, spot. right.
1: It's a great area.
2: Um, but that would be the key for Crean, is he would have to continue uh, really hitting hard But Team Takeover and Boo Williams. But, and,
1: but the point that was made when his name got brought up is that he already had it's not like he has to develop that relationship. No, the relationship he does not. is there. Um, and if you don't have somebody with that relationship, you bring them in. You roll the dice of then having the program not go from where it is right now, but going to the DePaul, St. John's level all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, And that's I mean, an awful level to try to teetering. dig out
2: of. It's teetering. This is a critical hire for them. Right. Critical. I still I, – Patrick Ewing would be ideal because he would just have the name. But then again, are you stuck back in the Big John, you know, shadow and – it's it's fascinating to see what they do because Snow will tell you Snow preaches this from the mountaintops. The coaches think that's the best job in the Big East. He says.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's a t- ton of money. It's a as rich of a recruiting area as you can possibly. It's the, the best the, recruiting area the, the old, area. the old man put money in the facility. I mean, you've got it's everything a... you need to win there. Um, I don't. Yeah, like I don't. I don't see why it's not a great job. I would love to have that job if I were a coach. Yeah. I mean, plus, let's be honest about the Big East. It's a conference that just got seven out of ten teams in, and one of them wasn't Georgetown. Like, as Georgetown, you should be able to win that Correct. League. This league isn't the Big East of the 80s. It has taken a step back. So it's not a dominant league, but it's a league that gets seven out of ten teams in. So it's a league, in my opinion, that if you're set up the way Georgetown is, you're not DePaul, basically, you should feel really confident about your ability to win.
2: Do you know DePaul's getting the new arena?
0: People forget that. <laughs>
2: That's, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing about DePaul basketball. Like that's that's the the entire program is going to change once they get that new arena.
0: Yeah. Paul might be back next year, though.
2: Okay, yeah, I tell you what, knock on my I door. Saw, when I they saw you got Doug Tiffer at that.
1: Come they knock on my back. door when they are. I mean, I'll even drive. Come Chica- and see me when they win. I'll, I'll it. drive to Chicago I'll if that's the case.
0: Win. We'll go to a game. Okay, all right. If they're above five hundred in the beginning, by year, February, by February, you're taking me to I'm a taking me game. to Chicago, to Jersey. That's going to be an unbelievable trip. It is going to. I do have a. We may, we,
1: we, we may live podcast the whole way up and back. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> we will. Little Periscope, going absolutely, on the
2: Arena, absolutely.
1: You yeah, want to go? Don't,
2: I don't think you could Periscope. I can't. You see. might get into trouble.
1: I can't see. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I better, I better stay off of that. <laughs> Social media is not my friend at times. <laughs> Um, now that we are down to the Final Four, um, it, it, it does feel like North Carolina is to lose for sure. I, the one team that i got to give a lot of credit to is, is Oregon just keeps battling, man. And, I, and did we overestimate? Tyler
2: Dorsey is a monster. Does
1: he missed a shot yet? Jesus. Every time they need a big shot, he hits two. Yeah, no, no question. Um, did we overestimate the injury? Well, I think
2: just because Jordan Bell... Stepped in. He's become a fifty-shot block a game guy. That he yeah. he stepped it like he he took over that role. He dom- he's dominating that role. So I don't think we overestimated the injury. I think
1: somebody they just filled it, it quickly. Yeah, I mean and they had to do it quickly. Yeah,
2: I mean that's that's the benefit you have when you have a roster like Oregon does when you recruit like Oregon does. They've got a ton of depth, and it was next man up, and he stepped in, and holy cow, did he just dominate that game last night?
0: But, but I mean. God, they, those guys that coaching staff everything, because I even said it on there, they're just not the same team without Boucher. And you said, well, why don't we give them more than a game before we decide that? I'm like, well, that's fine, but you're losing a major, major piece of major you're talent. Right. For them, to, for them to act like it just hasn't happened and to be in the Final Four is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and great. They, they eked out a couple of wins here along the way and yeah. then wind up dominating what was arguably the best team playing in the, the way they were playing, the they best team in the tournament. Kansas. Yeah, that, 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 it wasn't just beating Kansas. It was they owned Kansas. Um, so I give them a puncher's chance against Carolina. The, the other one, South Carolina is playing on such house money right now. Frank's great. The only thing is, before the tournament started, if I was to ask you, what percentage chance does Gonzaga have to win this? I would bet you both would say small, and so would I have. I would have said very, very small.
0: I didn't believe in them. I still don't know how much I believe in them. But, of course, with the bracket they've got left, I mean, they can absolutely win it. Well,
1: but, but just watching them now, have you changed your mind on just their ability level? And I'm not saying that just because the way they beat Xavier. I'm just talking about in general.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone probably thinks, well, you should because look at how yeah. they dominated Xavier. Well, let's also remember Xavier was an 11 seed that they were playing in the Elite Eight. Um, let's also remember Xavier has the def- their deficiencies of their own that they right. had to overcome right. all season long right. that we clearly saw. So I'm not like super impressed that they handled Xavier by shooting the lights out because I thought some of the stuff Xavier ran, they were getting looks that they wanted to get uh, on Gonzaga's defense. I don't you know, think Gonzaga's defense. They ain't the best shooting
2: defense. the lights out on South Carolina.
0: You wouldn't think. You wouldn't think. I, I don't think... I mean, that game's got a chance to be... Literally, that one does have a chance to be in the 50s or 60s. It's the number one and number two defense yeah. in the country. I don't think Gonzaga is the best defensive team in the country. I know the metrics say yeah, that. I, after I think South Carolina them, is. I, I would, well, I agree. I didn't say anything about South no, Carolina. No, I wasn't disagreeing. I'm just saying. Yeah. But on the Gonzaga side, I do not necessarily think they were number one in the country defensively. I do think... I was impressed with how functional their length is. I knew they were big, but their length works better than you would think. And it makes their... Because They're not that athletic. They're not that impressive physically, but it makes them more imposing right. because they know how to use the length, right. and it's all really complementary in terms of how they defend.
2: South Carolina is interesting just because they've got that alpha scorer in Cindarius Thornwell. They've got a really solid and, and competent point guard that's a veteran, a lot of experience. The two um, bigs are playing. They've got, well. they've got two bigs: one that's offensive-minded, one that's defensive-minded. Um, and then you've got a wing in PJ Dozier that's yep. pretty talented. Like, they've got the pieces, and they are playing their ass off for Frank Martin. No doubt. No doubt. Did you see the Frank quote today? I did not. I want to. Just post game? No, this was before the game. I think this was actually yesterday in the okay. uh, media session. Oh, I didn't know. think this the one that somebody tweeted out? Oh, I
1: thought it was great. I'm just, go ahead and read Do you have it up? Yeah. I, I thought it was fabulous. I'm I, I sorry it I didn't see I this. thought it yeah.
2: was money. Yep. You know what makes me sick to my stomach when I hear people say the kids have changed? Kids haven't changed. Kids don't know anything about anything. We've changed as adults. We demand, we demand less of kids. We expect less of kids. We make their lives easier instead of preparing them for what life's truly about. We're the ones that have changed. That's
1: right up skinny, like, I, dude. I, I read it. You're gonna put that I on your. I was trying No, dude. I wall. I loved, absolutely. I thought it was great, and I I did love the one timeout today. One of his kids either didn't hustle back or didn't rotate properly. Something along those lines. It was an early timeout. It was one of those ones where if this was like game five, you assassinate that kid from mid court on. NCA tournament, you're kind of walking a different line because you're trying to be a little more clinical. You know, you don't want to bury a kid. Then, I don't know if you saw it. He just lit this kid up from the time he met him about mid court all the way to the bench. And then it was funny. It was almost. Like the light bulb switch, and then he got clinical in the huddle. I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely great. I mean, he, he is, i tell you, to his credit, you can make a run somewhere. Every, a lot of coaches do, and he made that run at Kansas State, and uh, pat him on the head, and, and that's all great. You've done it now at two really non traditional powers, for lack of a better term. He is a hell of a hell coach. You're, a you're of a doing coach. something really right.
0: How much, do, how much is this, like, tough for UC fans? Because you're hearing all the stuff about, like, oh, getting getting more offensive, and it's, it's tough to do that with defensive-minded teams. And that's, like, Frank to a core is that defensive-minded no guy. defense first wins and win the rock fight type of game. Now to see them go to a Final Four with it, is it kind of like, well, wait a second. Why can't we do this? But, but they're winning no. without
1: rock fights, though, right now. I mean, no, yeah, that's yeah, the they're thing. Balling. They're, they're scoring yeah. talent. Well, and they're
2: scoring off their defense a ton, which... That's the the key for them. Like if you look at their season totals, they had ten games this year under sixty five. And you points. watch
1: them too when people cut out, they are jumping passing lanes like yeah. They don't even care if they, I mean, they, they get they, back out on that and stuff. And they've
2: got length and athleticism. Yeah. At, and that's that's what he's recruited. And it, it's they play for him. I mean, and some UC fans, I, I because he's got he was here. Yeah, and he coached with Hugs, and he's he's from that tree. And
1: was he with Andy for a year too? Um, In that last year with Andy, somebody asked me that. He would, I thought he was.
2: I, he stayed. Yeah. yeah, he was here for that year. Because
1: then Hugs sat out a year, and then he went with Hugs yeah. to Kansas State, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Um, he just—I mean—he—he's got that. Like when Hugs was younger, when those guys would just run through a brick wall right. for him, right? And he's got that. In his personality. Now, I think hugs guys will still do that, but well, it's not.
1: I, I, and I think that's what, unfortunately, people see the scowl and just the, just the intensity level of him. And I guarantee you he's probably, he probably says the, the right thing positively to those guys at yeah. the right time to get they them to him. buy into that They'd stuff. They'd run through a brick you, wall for him. You can't. Constantly berate a kid, and no. was, uh, you, but you have to have some of that to get their attention. Um, but at the same time, well, then when you do praise them, they will run through because it's all of a sudden like, all right, I get why this guy's doing this to me, but hey, he noticed this small thing that I just did. It wasn't like, you know, I scored ten points in a row. He noticed that I rotated properly on defense and probably told me so. I, yeah. I can see him being that guy, and that's why I think those guys do play. Well, play it, you know, he
2: him. was it, when Hugs hired him he was a high school coach, correct? In Miami, in Miami, yeah. Um, it landed, landed Abdul Herrera to the Bearcats basketball program. <laughs> that
1: was usually – that's not a that, – usually you're trying to get Dewan Wagner when you're pulling that off. Nope.
2: Abdul Herrera. Yeah, it didn't that's work out landed. so good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure UC fans are a tiny bit, you know, upset that that's the way that that he's still playing or whatever. But for me, uh, uh, congratulations yeah, to Frank. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like,
1: absolutely.
2: Uh, you know, I, I have my um, reservations about AK, and I've made my feelings known about – you know, the way Hugs feels towards Cincinnati and how I think about that. But I don't know Frank well. I, I haven't been around him much. We've interacted a few times. Um
1: Dude he, no he 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 was in right place at right time twice. Yeah. Um got hired out of out of high school, um operated in a was, in a, in was a good program. In a good program, um went with Hugs and it worked out the right place at the right time where he gone after a year and, and then Kansas State ran him off. Yeah, which is which was odd. It was almost like but it, it's it's worked out it's, for him.
2: He's he's in a place where he can get the exact type of kids that he
1: Correct. wants. Correct.
2: That's right.
0: That's I, right. I, the thing about Frank Martin is he's one of the most intimidating humans alive, in my opinion. He just feels like the dad that's always disappointed in you, at least when I look <laughs> at him. Like, I always feel like he's just really but, but What about that one with, time where he comes down you the you hall? Specifically. Yeah, like with me. Like, I think he's really disappointed in me. And he
1: tells you he's proud that you rake the leaves. You feel a million You feel a million feet tall, right? on the head. Yep. Give you, yeah. Hey. Nice job on that report card. Nice job on that. You got, to, you got a B plus on that report? Well done, C student. Thanks, kid. Coach.
0: Like honestly, when we pass cross paths at like an AAU event, I'm immediately like, Oh sorry, my bad. Like, <laughs> like I don't I didn't even do anything. I just like sorry for being around. You're gonna throw you. me through that wall, were <laughs> not you, sir? And the second thing is he his fashion sense is impeccable. That was Last great. Last year I watched him walk into an AAU event and he, they're an Under Armour team, right? So Under Armour's probably doing some different things, trying to get the scene yeah. a little yep. bit more. He has, you know, like those bowling shirts where you know, yes, button, absolutely, button down, like Hawaiian. Was it? Did he have a Hawaiian sleeve? style? No, 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 short sleeve. Uh-huh. Okay, bowling shirt, probably like a three X. I'd say he's not a big guy. I remember I mean. this shirt. He's a decent yeah, sized guy, I I mean, not a big guy. Three. I mean, just way the sleeves are hanging down past his elbows. It's ill fitting. It's going down. You know, well, it almost well looks like belt. a pullover.
1: Basically, yeah, it's
0: it's a, it's a bad look. All gray, all gray, with just a cock above his uh, po- pocket. Gamecock, yeah, Gamecock. Like, in case you're wondering, and um,
2: just fighting chicken, just fighting
0: incredible chicken. look for him. That's tremendous, yeah.
2: tremendous. He's uh, he 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 does kind of intimidate you, even when he's in the like, just when he's in the gym, you're just kind of like.
0: But he wears the goofiest clothes, so like you kind of feel like he's that crazy bastard from the Big Lebowski <laughs> that might pull a gun out <laughs> in the bowling alley at any point in time. <laughs> yeah,
1: you do whatever you want, sir. I'm yeah, uh, just happy for
0: Frank. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah.
1: Any final thoughts?
2: No, I mean, what we just—we is this it for the week? Are we gonna come back on Friday? What it? What are we looking at here? I'm you, looking at you, Rick. Do what? Are we coming back on Friday? Are we are gonna do a Final Four preview show on Friday for the people? For the
1: masses? I, I mean, we got the one guy who was all excited. We were dropping a podcast on a 70 degree day, man.
0: You know what? That is true. Someone on my message board put us said it's. A Friday, it's 70 degrees, and the Skinny Podcast is coming out today. And I I'm appreciate like, that, dude. Shout getting, out to that guy. If we're getting mentioned in the same breath as 70-degree Friday afternoons... We've made it, like, we'll, flat out. You know what,
1: we'll, we'll see what kind of response we get this week. Okay, I mean— it, Let us know. Let well, us know. you know
0: what? Actually, I say we do it because we did that last one on short notice, did it on a Friday. The shelf life was quick because it was basically mm-hmm. a Xavier preview for yep. Saturday, and we got a lot of listens on it, much more than Well, it was sections. a great
1: story, though. I mean, and, and let's say like, shout-out to Chad Brendel because he goaded us at 1.30 in the morning into doing it. You were a little wishy-washy on it, but then you said, I'll do it. I'll do it because I knew you had a long work. I was right? never I
0: wishy-washy. It. I just waited to text you back because I, I was I, busy was I, doing not, other stuff was was I the one that replied, first, yep, I just said yep. 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 That you didn't make first. me wishy-washy. That meant 45 was, minutes later, I get a... That meant I was doing content instead of reading text from you. Not to mention there were only 45 texts on my phone that night, so it took a little while to get through them all. Gotcha, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. But I was all... Popular in. guy.
1: Yeah. Popular guy, except for people in the GCL don't like you.
0: That's another story. I don't another think for another day to cover GCL games. You're Probably not. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll be back again.
1: We'll be back on, uh, on later on this week. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Skinny Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll, uh, we'll have a Final Four preview show just because Chad Randall asked for it. Have a good week. <laughs>